Chats from the Blog Cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where I virtually invite people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life and everything, and people tell their stories. Now, today I'm chatting with Esra. She is the author of Money Does Grow on Trees, and it's all about mindset. So, Esra, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into talking about your book. Thank you so much. First of all, I love that cabin and I love the intro to this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, me and my husband, we do transformational coaching and that's not what we set out to do in our lives. But when we were kind of, you know, let's say living our own limitations and we met our own mentor, Daryl Rutherford, um, we were able to just create such a transformation in our own lives, whether it was about success, whether it was about career, whether it was about prosperity. Of course, it was a journey, like it didn't happen overnight. Um, But yeah, because of what we were able to manifest, it just kind of naturally began to flow where people who knew where we were at and where we're now began approaching us and saying, you know, I want to drink whatever you're drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So that's how, you know, kind of, let's say this uh, transformational coaching started for us. So let's talk about um, your mindset, because in the beginning, your mindset wasn't the greatest. How did you go about transforming, like you said, you're a transformational coach, but let's talk about your journey to becoming a coach. Yeah, well, I had come to the United States um, against all odds. My parents, I was only like 23, 24, something like that, like super young. And I always had a dream to be in the United States. I grew up, I was born in Turkey. I grew up in Europe. In Europe, I went to American schools and I so kind of admired um, so many things that were American you know, freedom of speech, individuality, freedom of thought, all these kind of things, that it was such a burning desire to come to the States. Mm -hmm. So that's another manifestation story before I learned any of this stuff. But anyway, um, so I, I got to come, I started studying at UCLA, and it was always, you know, a struggle. I say against all odds, because I only had $2,000 in my pocket, Mm -hmm. you know, stayed with a friend. And Things originally didn't, it was hard because I'm not allowed to work. I don't really have the money to support Mm -hmm. myself. So I'm doing any kind of job I can find, selling shoes, selling carpets, blah, blah, blah. It really was such a fight, you know, to Mm -hmm. be in this country kind of a thing. So when things originally weren't really working out and, you know, I had a lot of kind of issues that I brought, let's say baggage I brought from my past, um, I started getting depressed. I started getting into alcohol. I started getting into drugs and all this kind of stuff. And there came a breaking point where I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done living this way. Like either something's changing in my life ASAP, like tomorrow, Mm -hmm. or I don't even want to be on this planet. (laughs) I refuse to live like this. So that was a moment of what we call a being choice. When you very clearly say no to something else, Mm -hmm. some, some creation in your life, so that you can say yes to something else. 
And um, originally, within that like prayer and 24 hours, the next day, by coincidence, of course, nothing is a coincidence, I walk randomly into a building and I find Kundalini Yoga. And that was my first opening. I didn't even know what it was. I just took a class. I remember I like cried my eyes out. I remember I felt so light afterwards and recognized that, you know, I needed to walk a journey of healing before mm -hmm. I actually refocused back into my life. There, one of the things I learned is the importance of raising our frequency. When we, you know, when we raise our frequency, and that can happen with breathing, the way that we think, the way that we choose to focus, our habitual ways of focusing, moving the body, turning into the inner wisdom that we all have, the frequency rises. And when the frequency rises, it's like being in a building, right? Mm -hmm. If you go up the, if you just walk into a building and you're in the first floor and you look out the window, you don't see much and reality looks limited. But mm -hmm. if you go up the elevator and let's say get to the third floor or the fifth floor and all of a sudden you look out the window and there's all this stuff that you didn't see in the lower floor, yeah. then, you know, reality opens up and possibilities open up for us. So you talk about raising your frequency for those that listeners and viewers that don't understand what that is. Talk a little bit about what frequency is and how you can raise your frequency. Well, we're all vibrational beings to begin mm -hmm. with. And our vibration has a lot to do with our habitual ways of focus. Mm -hmm. So I was an extreme negative thinker. <laughs> I didn't mm -hmm. think I was a negative thinker. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought I was a very positive person. But then when I started doing the exercise, I'm just about to say, which, you know, I had already like read and understood uh, and, and kind of made sense to me the importance of gratefulness. I kind of designed this exercise where every day I would be grateful for 15 minutes for what was already existing in my life. And then I would move from there in the next 15 minutes, I would be grateful for what I would love to enjoy in my life as if it's already happened. So through that one exercise, I began to understand how what we choose to focus on and then, therefore, what we end up feeling, for example, you know, I would feel very kind of, you know, poor because I would have trouble paying my rent every month, you know. So when I would just be in that kind of disciplined focus of abundance, mm -hmm. after a while, I would feel regardless of what the situation or the circumstances are around, I would start to kind of feel like, oh, my God, you know. I do have all this stuff already as is. There is already abundance in mm -hmm. my life. And activating that feeling, I began to see how that actually started corresponding to the reality outside. You know, mm -hmm. things would happen. All of a sudden, clients would, you know, more clients would come and I wasn't doing any marketing. I was just changing my focus. Um, and then prosperity started flowing into my life. So... Yeah, that's one way we do where we get and and as I was doing this exercise, that's when I realized how absolutely horribly negative my and, and lack oriented my mind is because I would say things like, well, you know, at least I have an apartment. But really what I would be thinking is like, oh, great. You know, I went to two universities and this is all I have is really like what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, 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 what am I doing here? And then I would stop and try to like re-verbalize until I could activate that feeling, a better feeling state. 
Yeah, I love that. So basically, it's all about your mindset. If you go in with a negative mindset, you're obviously going to see everything negative in your life. Exactly. Because really, all reality is the perception in which we choose to sit. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. kind of like, again, being in a building, uh, if I'm looking out of that window and I'm seeing a backyard, that's what I'm going to think reality is. But mm -hmm. if I just walk across and look at the main window and see a lot more vastness, well, it's all reality, but it's because now I've changed my perception, more is available to me. Yeah, I love that. And so <laughs> we want to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. Um, do you have your book with you? Ah, oh, actually I do. I usually don't, but I do. All right. When we come back, will you read a part of your book? Oh my God. I don't know what part to read. Well, just pick out one. Okay. Just, just open the book and just read it. How does that okay. sound? Sounds great. Right. So we'll be right back after the commercial break. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe. And don't miss the next episode. While human connections are the most important aspect of our lives, they can also be the most neglected. A couple of years ago, I attended a funeral of a close friend. She was loved and celebrated, with many testimonies sharing the profound effect she had on the lives of her friends. As I listened to these professions of love, gratitude, and admiration, I felt an intense sadness that these beautiful words were never shared with her. This experience forced me to reflect on what brought meaning to my life. It was the relationships, the human connections, those things that I and many others spend our lives ignoring or taking for granted, the things that we never say to each other. So I challenged myself to do better. At the age of 49, heading towards my 50th birthday, I made a list of 50 women from lifelong friends to new acquaintances. Over the course of a year, I met one-on-one -on -one with all of them. And in the process, I learned more about myself than I had at any other time in my life. The gift of giving and receiving, of being both student and teacher, of finding meaning through human connection. These are those meetings. Welcome to the 50-50 Friendship Flow. Life lessons from and for my girlfriends. And we are back talking with Ezra. Um, before we went to the break, I put you on the spot and asked you, would you read part of your book? And I said, just pick it, open a page and read. So are you ready to read? Yep. I just randomly opened a page and, you know, I guess this is what needs to be shared. But, um, you know, before I, I read it, I want to say one of the things that I recognize in my life and that we teach is the understanding that we create our own realities, whether we end up enjoying the results or not. And the contrast is great since we're the author of, let's say, a result that we're not enjoying. That contrast itself brings us clarity as to what it is that we would rather be experiencing. And we're very powerful to move from what doesn't work to what does work. So um, I was a victim of not feeling like I have enough. I have mm -hmm. mom like, oh, you know, I'm all the time struggling. I can't. Why can't I? And when I figured out that I was experiencing a reality with a lot of lack of abundance, 
that it was a choice of mine, mm. something I decided as a seven-year-old, all of a sudden, the problem and the lack I was experiencing ended up being my access point for empowerment. So oh, that's wow. the story that came you know, up <laughs> when I opened it. So this is when I was having my first coaching with my mentor. And basically the reason I started working with him is because, you know, I was having financial problems and I wanted to get into a better space. He asked me to connect to my earliest memories about money. I was immediately transported in my mind's eye into my grandmother's living room where there was a crowded group of guests she had invited for the afternoon tea. I was in the background, supposedly minding my own business as a seven or eight-year-old. It looked like I was watching TV, but I had my ears perked up like a little rabbit, tracking the conversation of the grown-ups very carefully. One super loud, know-it-all woman was talking about a young girl who had been married off to some prominent old doctor. I think he was three times her age or something close to that. This woman was praising the young girl for making a materialistic choice. Mm. A woman is stupid if she marries for love. Even experts claim love is just a chemical phenomena, naturally over in just four years. She was smart and bowed down to this arranged marriage. This is how a woman should be, obedient and smart. What? Love was stupidity? What planet were these grown-ups on? What were they thinking? Hitting alarming levels of ex existentialist panic, I peeked from behind the wall to examine how all the other women were responding to this proposition of utter insanity. They were all nodding their heads in agreement as if they were the chorus in a Greek tragedy, though I couldn't tell for sure if it was real agreement or masked boredom. I was livid. And more than that, I was afraid and felt alone, especially because I was not allowed to voice my own opinions as a child. They would have ridiculed me for being too innocent and chided me for, melding up in, for meddling in grown-up affairs. Are these grown-ups the ones that are meant to guide me? I didn't think so. Therefore, I went to the bathroom, locked myself in, looked at the mirror, and declared with passion the complete opposite. I will always say yes to love and I will always say no to money. Wow. And that is exactly, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was mm -hmm. just a conclusion as a little girl that I came up with in regards to what I was experiencing. And that's mm -hmm. how we form belief systems. You know, people say that, oh, you know, society imposes and parents impose. No, things happen. And even as children, mm -hmm. we're free to make up our own conclusions from it. But the conclusions we make up become the very stories and the myths that we create and mm -hmm. live by. So my life, and I was just shocked, 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 shocked when this memory came because I realized that my entire financial life, adult financial life, was being managed by the seven-year-old girl's decision. Wow. Where she decided love and money don't go together, that people either go after money or they go after love. And it's as if, like, they have to choose one or the other, that there is no other possibility. So I experienced exactly that for 35 years. 
Wow. At what point did you, it was like the aha moment. You said working with your mentor, that was your earliest memory, but the aha moment of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that actually, that's actually how I believe. And how hard was it to change your mindset from love and money don't go together? Well, it did take practice because, you know, we do have an ego and by ego in our system, we don't mean anything bad or evil. Ego is just an anchor mm -hmm. to um, hold whatever we decided in place so that it can be experienced as a reality by us. The way I think about it is that we are the grand programmer of our mm -hmm. reality. The computer screen is what gets reflected dependent on the programming we've put in there. And the ego is very much like the hard drive. It's where the belief systems are stored. So that first session by itself was extremely powerful. I mean, I remember holding my stomach. There was this, I was like kind of half shattered and half feeling extremely free because it was shocking to me to recognize that all mm -hmm. these problems I had experienced for 35 years were my own making. It was just like my, my brain was going like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know? Um, and then it took another, I would say, kind of two years or a year and a mm -hmm. half back and forth. I learned very well to manifest money. But still, since my belief, like my ego kept on taking me back mm -hmm. to the old box. So what would happen is I became really good at manifesting more money, but like it would disappear before it hit the bank. Mm -hmm. So I was in the spender's law. Yep. And many people who kind of unknown to them, like mine, I mean, if anybody flat out asked me, do you have a bad relationship with money? I would have said, what? No, oh, it's something mm -hmm. that we need and da, 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 you know. Um, but yeah, since my relationship hadn't totally cleared with money, although I discovered this, I was still very much under the spender's law, which means that we spend more than incoming money on a monthly basis. It's a way of, because of the negative belief system and mm -hmm. relationship, it's a way in which our ego just gets rid of the reality of prosperity. Now, I do want to mention that I think you mentioned in your book, our egos are there to kind of protect us from being hurt and from going back and going through the same cycle over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So if I have a belief system and I've decided money and love don't go together, the ego isn't wise. It's not like mm -hmm. it's supposed to be our guide or anything, but it's our like lawyer, loyal soldier. Mm -hmm. So when I give it a program, hey, ego, just so you know, Money and love don't go together. And just mm -hmm. so you know, we're choosing love. Well, what the ego is going to do is even if we forget consciously the decision we make, mm -hmm. the ego, like a hard drive, doesn't forget the decision and it just holds that programming in place. So, for example, one opening of that, and I, I just made that link way later after I got out of the box, like I never had rich boyfriends. No, oh, wow. Whenever a guy that I knew was rich would ask me out without ever getting to know him or giving it a chance or an opportunity, it was an immediate no. I didn't know why I was responding that way. It was just like I would find an excuse as to why I don't like them. But there was a pattern there. If they were rich, it wasn't okay for me to date them because of the belief system. Mm -hmm. So that's how the ego protects our previous reality. Wow. That is like really woo. So how do we get out of our own way? Because obviously it's a struggle when you're, you're your own worst critic, number one, 
So, and then you have these mentalities that you created for yourself and the ego is helping you along being your, like you said, loyal servant. So how do we get out of our own way to make sure that we have a great relationship with money, that money and love do go together. If, if you marry someone rich, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have love. Well, I think one important way, there's a couple of ways, but one important exercise is because that happened to be my code and my relationship. Not everybody's code is, you know, the same. Mm -hmm. So if we're having financial problems or we're having relationship problems or any kind of problems you can imagine, uh, a good exercise is to close the eyes and really exaggeratedly. So let's imagine money. So I would close my eyes and just really see myself in this picture of extreme unlimited abundance. And you kind of walk yourself through it, like how your day would be, what you would be doing, da, da, da. And usually what happens is instead of enjoying it, there will be something that bothers you. Mm. For example, when I did this with a friend uh, of mine, it's a recent example, that's why I love it. You know, she was like, oh, you know, I've gone to all these prosperity workshops and I've been working on prosperity for 10 years and I just can't figure it out. I just can't do it. And I said, well, what if you're looking at it in the wrong way? What if, is it, what if it isn't that you can't, but actually you don't want to? Mm. What if you're experiencing exactly what you want? And she wasn't poor, but she would just have enough money to, you know, pay all the bills and pay all the rent. And she'd never have more left over. And she's like, don't be silly. Of course I want money. I know what I want. And I'm like, you want to put it to the test? She's like, sure. So she closed her eyes. I made her close her eyes and, you know, did this exercise. I'm just saying where she just closed her eyes and she didn't, she's just having so many investments. She doesn't even have to work for money anymore. And she can just choose to work or not. It's a choice for her. There's no must or neediness. And what started happening is that she started sweating. Oh, wow. Me. Just like, you know, literally heat and sweat were coming through. And she's like peeling off her jacket. And I'm like, well, there we go. What are you feeling? Mm. And she's like, I feel a lot of shame. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Why in this vision do you feel shame? And she, she immediately got into her code and she's like, oh, my God, I believe that if I have more, others will have less because of mm. me. It's a very common one, that one. Wow. So that's one way. And the other way is waking up and remembering the incredible power that all of us have. Mm. And that is the power of choice. When I met Daryl, you know, he told me, I think, one of the most enlightening things about how we create our reality. And he said, you know what, Estra, the only difference between people that are experiencing poverty versus the people that are experiencing richness is a matter of choice. Mm -hmm. The ones that chose to belong to prosperity are the ones that have rejected it because maybe they saw bad examples of it, uh, like in my case. Mm -hmm that's why they don't have property so it's just a matter of choice we call this the being power who is it who is it that i'm choosing to be what am i saying yes to what am i saying no to and sometimes those yeses and no's are something that we have to kind of take the hard decisions with as well right and sometimes you don't always have to say yes to things that you don't believe in 
Well, I think a lot of people like with me, I'm an Enneagram too. So I think, oh, I have to say yes, because, you know, twos are the helpers. They, they fear rejection. So you have to say yes to everything so you don't get rejected and you're living out your role. Exactly. I mean, I love um, a teaching of Abraham. I love a sentence uh, of the channel, Abraham. You're such free beings that you're allowed to choose bondage. Mm, I love that. And it's not like there's anything wrong when we are experiencing the limitation. I mean, we're very powerful creators of our reality. How are we going to wake up to that we're the powerful creator of our realities unless we kind of create kind of limited realities that we get to experience and then we wake up from it as if in a dream and we're like oh well i don't need to be doing this anymore i don't need to be this person wow. so with the with the prosperity as well like before i found my mentor or anything i remember i got so sick and tired of experiencing financial trouble consistently there was a point in my life before I met, like two weeks before I met my mentor, where I said, you know what? I am done. I am done with this lack, 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 lack. I am going to belong to abundance. But it wasn't just an intellectual decision. It was a decision with all of my being. And as they say, when the student is ready, the teacher shows up. Mm -hmm. I'd like to change that as when we are ready, the universe shows up. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about your book, Money Does Grow on Trees, The Myths We Create and Live By. So what made you decide to write the book? Well, uh, what inspired me to write the book, um, I had the idea to do it a long time ago, and I kept on never getting around to it. It was one of those mm -hmm. things that I'll do it someday, I'll do it someday. But what really inspired me to actually sit down and write it was our certification programs. So after doing personal coaching and many workshops with my husband, um, there were so many people that wanted to learn what it is that we're doing that we finally decided to open a certification program. And we were really like kind of not understanding these certification programs that are like nine days old, you know, nine days long or over a weekend and people get mm -hmm. certified. It's like you don't even learn to be a waiter that fast or anything that mm -hmm. fast, you know, it, things, things take time especially if you want an actual transformation in consciousness. So our program ended up being a year and a half long. <laughs> and wow. we had no idea if, you know, our, most of our community is Turkish because I come from Turkey. And before this book, everything we wrote was in Turkish. So we are like, ah, you know, the Turks, they're not going to commit to this. And the very first certification we opened up, we had 200 people. Wow. So we were like kind of completely amazed and so much changed in their lives that it was an inspiration back to us. It was actually empowering back to us. Like, wow, I can't believe this person just, you know, shifted that around or got rid of this physical illness or created a new job that they love, a career they love, or you know, their income went up by whatever, 10, uh, 10 time, tenfold. So I got so inspired and I'm like, oh my God, what about the people that don't speak Turkish? What about the people that, you know, currently might not have the money to come to our certification? How can I get this information in a way that's accessible? So it's like the book is kind of a very mini, mini, mini version, you know, of the certification. And I love the fact that, like you said, it's a mini version. So if people want to take it a step further, then they can sign up for a certification as well. And I love that 
the way that you're making it accessible for people at all price points. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because yeah, we got, we all got to start somewhere. <laughs> now you do mention the book, the, there's some ways that you can turn around your um, thinking and one is to have a goal, vision, or a dream. So how did that, talking, going back to your money wise, how did you start doing the abundance? How did you, what goal and dream did you have? Well, um, again, you know, the contrast and the problems that we experience serve us enormously. Daryl would always say, uh, every problem is an opportunity for a new being choice. Mm. So when I met my husband, we were both struggling. He was a waiter. I was a newbie yoga teacher with like, you know, four students in a class or something like that. Definitely not paying rent. And we were uh, trying to break into the acting business. And I kind of got really sick of being at the beck and call of others mm. as to whether I'm going to like have a job or not. And that really bothered me. So I remember in Santa Monica, uh, we were in LA and we are in LA again now, but I remember work, walking on third street and I kept on saying to my husband, I'm like, you know, we got to have our own business. We got to have our own career. I want to be the boss of my own business. I want to decide how many hours a day I work. And I want to work four hours a day yeah. <laughs> and yet have prosperity. So I didn't know the how. I had no idea about the how. You know, it looked like the most impossible thing that I'm asking. But I would keep, allow myself to dream, allow myself to feel the dynamics of what that would be like. I knew, for, for example, I didn't want to be location-based. I don't want mm -hmm. to have to live in the U.S. or in Turkey or mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah country because of my business. I had no idea how that was going to pan out. So one of the things I did again was the gratefulness I was talking about. I would do gratefulness exercises where I would speak it as if it's already happened without any clue or even feeling mm -hmm. close to it or anything. Well, eventually after I met my mentor and we had a transformation and start, things started kind of crazy manifesting in our lives, then people came and said, you know, as I said, like, I want to take classes from you. So then all the seeds that I had planted back then with clarity and passion, that's very important. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're not clear as we're so focused on the problem and that what's not working. Mm -hmm. We don't lift the head out of the box enough to visualize, to imagine, to allow ourselves to dream like we did as children. Mm -hmm. As children, when we played doc, you know, house or played to be a nurse or a doctor, you know, we would experience it as if it's a reality. We didn't have any limitations. So it's going back to that state of being. And another thing is you, you said, discover what belief separates you from the goal, vision and dream. Like you were talking about, you realized when you went back to your earliest memories about how you equated love and money, how they didn't go together. So that's very important. That, but sometimes people don't want to see it. So how do you talk to someone that they they have this belief, but they don't want to see it, even though you you're, you as a coach can see it? I don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> because unless the person is ready, nothing can move. Mm. Unless the person has already chosen to change their lives, there's no getting through. Because the powerhouse is never the technique the powerhouse is never the guru. The powerhouse is never the teacher. The powerhouse is the individual. 
So until a person has decided to get out of their problem, until a person has made that being choice to make a difference in their lives, there's, there's nothing one can do. I love that. So basically you're like, you, sometimes you probably have to turn down clients that aren't ready yet to do the transformation, even though they say they are, but they're not really. Um, you know, usually what I find is, and that's why it's very important to do, you know, some people have this thing of like, oh, spirituality and money doesn't go together. So we should do it for free. La la la. No, if they're committing their time, if they're committing financially, it's a pretty high possibility, like Mm -hmm. 90% that they're ready to change. Then it's all about, yeah, their ego can resist this or that, but the actual choice has already been done. Yeah, I love that. And then um, another thing you wrote, you say, see how ridiculous the beliefs, where it comes from and laugh at it, laugh out loud about it. So did you laugh at the moment you realized that your belief of the seven-year-old little girl saying love and money don't go together? I did. I mean, two things happened. Like my ego was totally crushed (laughs) in terms (laughs) of like, Oh my God, I can't believe like I, I, you know, dragged myself through this pain all these years, you know, in that department of my life. So like my stomach hurt. I remember that. But the feeling when we have an aha moment, when we get out of our box, it's very much like, it's not an intellectual thing. It's like Mm -hmm. you wake up from a dream. And let's say in the nightmare, you were so scared and then you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy I'm awake. You know, what was that? Mm-hmm. And you can laugh. So I love to say something is a, you know, the, the drama is a tragedy until we get outside of our box. And then you can yep. just laugh at what it is you've created. It's funny. <laughs> I love that. I love that. The fact that you can laugh at something. And a lot of times they say hindsight is 2020 is that looking at when you're in the situation, you can't see the humor in it or you can't see how to be grateful in it. But then when you're on the backside of it, you can look back and say, oh, man, did I really do that? That was the stupidest thing I ever did and start laughing about it or say, oh, I, t- I learned this lesson because of what happened to me. Exactly. So in the bigger picture, in the universal picture, nothing's ever really going wrong. And it's hard to, you know, I I don't all the time like dwell there either. You know, I do have times where I get, I feel like a victim about something or Mm -hmm. my frequency goes down, you know, it's kind of uh, forgetting and re-remembering and forgetting and re-remembering. And every experience we have is absolutely valid for exactly how it is. But when we decide, for example, I want to say something about uh, beauty. Um, When I was again in my teens and I liked this guy for the first time in my life, I I came to my grandmother and I said, Grandma, do you think I'm pretty? Mm -hmm. And she said to me, well, you know, you're not ugly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And from her response, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I must be like kind of close to being. So that became my self-concept. And then for years I walked around and this is how powerfully the ego immediately puts a defense and begins to filter out any evidence that's the opposite. Mm -hmm. So when people would compliment me or this or that, I'd be like, ah, they're just trying to be nice or, oh, they're trying to get onto my good side. Mm -hmm. Years later, after I started doing yoga and I was like, you know what? I, I feel beautiful. 
I really do. I, I would look at the mirror and say, oh my God, I'm such a beautiful woman. <laughs> I mm -hmm. started like feeling and thinking this. And then I met all this evidence, you know, when I went to a school gathering where they're like, oh, you know, you were the prettiest girl in school and all the guys, you know, mm -hmm. liked you, but they didn't dare to approach you. And I'm like, really? And I thought they weren't approaching me because they didn't, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's so, that's just so funny. And yet while I was experiencing that illusion or rather that self-concept, it was really painful growing up. Mm -hmm. Yep. You I know? totally, I totally understand that because I had my earliest memories. I think I was like seven as well. Like you were, it was, um, somebody in my family saying, I said I was pretty. And somebody said, don't say that, that you can't, you have to be modest. And somebody said, well, she has to say that because nobody will ever tell her that. Oh, yeah. There you go. So it just sticks with you. And even though, you know, you grow up and you have kids and you're an adult and everything, what everybody else thinks about you still sticks in your mind because of a offhanded comment that is made. That to somebody to made. Or, and sometimes those are offhanded comments that are like not, you know, they just people just vomiting <laughs> stuff. And mm -hmm. yeah, it sticks. And if we accept it as a truth, then we experience it as a, as a truth. If mm -hmm. we say, you know what? I am not belonging to this. This mm -hmm. is not my reality. I am belonging to this. And for me, beauty is that. I mean, I've met some of the most attract, attractive and to me beautiful people. When you, you know, if you just look at a picture, maybe they're not that attractive. But they have such a energy and an aura that they carry that they look more beautiful than the you know mrs whatever universe mm -hmm. they look prettier and they're more attractive it's all in our head and our self-concepts that we've written about ourselves or chosen to believe yeah that is so true and the last one it says make a new being choice to belong to what you are asking for that's what you were talking about being in the presence of being like if you want to own your own business and you've got to start acting like you're a business owner already um, you know, it's, there's actually a good exercise in that book. I, I, I can't remember what page right now, but if we can go back and remember that every time our life took a turn in the positive sense, mm -hmm. just before that turn was present, we changed our mind about who we were being. Mm -hmm. And the way you do the exercise is that maybe you write down a problem or maybe three problems that you remember having experienced. Then next to it, you write what happened, what you experienced when it was resolved. And then next to it, you try to go back and remember that moment in time you decided something different about who you were being as opposed to before. Because there's a lot, there's a huge difference, and this is what people mix up. There's a huge difference between wanting something and choosing something. Okay. When we want, we keep on experiencing that wantedness. There's mm -hmm. keep on, there's a separation. It's like that thing is over there. So we keep on experiencing that distance and separation. When you actually choose to belong, it's like, you get into a new identity. Hmm. I love that. 
I will. And it's, it's, it's no, so, so sorry to cut you off because it's a hard concept to like, just mm -hmm. get in here kind of fast. It took me, you know, I understood it intellectually in five minutes and then it took me like three months or four months to actually remember and get it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like when we decide to become a mother, we make that choice and we get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Then we don't worry about how the child is going to grow inside of us. The universal intelligence takes care of that. Mm -hmm. In the same way, once we decide to belong to abundance, the how will show up. We do not need mm -hmm. to figure out the st steps in advance. I love that. I love I like the way you just said that. And you compared it because honestly, I think a lot of people say, well, I'm living in abundance, but then they worry about, oh, well, when am I getting paid? When's this coming in? When's this coming in? Or why do somebody else and start comparing themselves to each other to somebody else saying, why is that person getting so much more opportunities than I am? You know, because they're not living, they're saying they're living the abundance mindset, but they're not actually, they're looking at everybody else's abundance and comparing it to what they have. Exactly. And that's the conditioning that abundance comes from outside. Oh, it comes from our parents. It comes from, you know, having an education. It comes from being smart. No, it comes from the ability to cultivate emotions and feelings and mm -hmm. focuses of abundance. When you feel abundant, the life's mirror has to reflect that back. A client in our certification, when she came, she borrowed money from the bank in order to come to the certification. She had $7 of savings. Mm -hmm. When she understood the importance of how focus, which is like ours that cannot be taken away. You know, mm -hmm. you can jail us, you can, you know, do this, you can tie our hands, but you cannot ever control somebody's mind unless they're willing to give that power up. So she had $7 in her savings and she so understood the importance of focusing, not from a place of lack, but from a place of already feeling abundant, mm -hmm. that when her $7 became $14 in her savings account, she looked at it as like, oh, I just increased my wealth by 100%. Oh, wow. A year and a half, in a year and a half that the certification lasts, when she was done, she had $60,000 in her bank account and she had bought herself a little apartment. Wow. That's how powerful our focuses are. Wow, that is powerful. Now, our time is almost up. Do you have one last little nugget that you want to share with people before we talk about where people can find you at? Um, you know, that just believe in the power it is within any reality that you create internally, which is free through your focus, through what you say, through the gratefulness exercise, will have to be reflected exactly in life. So enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the ride is right. And, and you get to choose what you believe as well. You have the choice. It's all exactly. about mindset. Exactly. So tell people where they can find you at. Well, uh, Iconesranow.com, W-W-I-K-E-A-N-D-E-S-R-A-Now.com is our website. So the best way that we love to reach people rather than social media, this and that, is if people visit the website and leave their own email so we know that we have the permission and they want to hear from us. 
you know, that's the best way to go, we think. So if, you know, you want to be aware of workshops or certifications or whatever it is that we're products sometimes that we offer on the website, please leave your email and we will uh, reach out to you. And the book, Money Does Go on Trees, The Myths We Create and Live By, because there's a zillion books that have apparently the same title, which I didn't know. <laughs> it's available on Amazon. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Ezra, for coming on and talking about our mindset about money and abundance, because I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money instead of thinking, oh, I have enough or Yes, like you said about the one client that she increased her earnings by 100% by looking at that $7 and turned it into 14 that she increased it. And I love that that example. And I hope people can take that, especially around the holidays right now, because I know exactly. a lot of people are talking about what they can't buy for their family instead of what they can buy, what, exactly. you know, and experiences and mindsets as well. So, guys, I will put in the show notes everywhere where you can find Esra as well as where you can find her book. And I hope you guys have a great holiday. Thank you again, Ezra, for coming on and for sharing you. your abundance. Thank you very much for having me. So guys, be blessed. And most importantly, remember, keep chatting. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.